when you open up and you share those parts of yourself, I always say like everyone deserves your authenticity. Not everyone deserve, deserves your vulnerability. Like there's a big difference. Everyone deserves your authenticity. And when you show up authentically and it changes everything, like the relationships I had in my early twenties, I don't really have relationships with any of those people anymore because I wasn't being true to who I was. And now that I'm like very, I mean, if you follow me or see me, I'm like very out there. I'm basically like, I am an open book. You can ask me anything and I'll tell you anything. Like if you listen to the pot, I like don't hold anything back. Welcome to the Conscious Leadership Podcast, where soulful entrepreneurship and holistic mind-body wellness meet to help you heal, discover your soul's purpose, and change the world. I'm your host, Gabby Ortega, entrepreneur, psychology expert, social media maven, and soulful leadership coach, and it's my mission to empower you into becoming the light leader you're meant to be. Each episode will be diving deep into topics that will help you gain personal mastery over your healing and mind-body wellness, while also giving you practical tips and tools to help you create, market, and scale a heart-centered business around your soul's purpose and life mission. Whether you're in the beginning of your self-awakening journey or a seasoned inner work god or goddess who's ready to step into their leadership as a soulpreneur, this is going to be your new favorite place to be. We know that you don't just want to feel happier and more fulfilled, but you want to deeply know yourself and powerfully step into your life's purpose while creating massive abundance around your mission. That's why I've created this podcast for you, the light leader of the next generation. Welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome back to the Conscious Leadership Podcast. Today we have Rachel Overvall. I'm so excited. She is a sexual reclamation coach and an author and just a badass overall light leader and human being and woman and just, I am very honored to have you here if you can't tell. And I'm so excited to share her with you guys. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Oh my God, it's my pleasure. So I'd love to ask you, I think first off, what makes you feel like your most light leader self? Yeah, when I am helping people work through any blockages they have in relation to self-love, self-pleasure, when I help people like de-shamify that and embrace self-love, self-pleasure, love and pleasure with partners, that is like Oof, I feel so good. I got goosebumps just talking about it. I love, love, love breaking that shame or that guilt down and allowing people to really step into their desires. Mm, I love that. I know from personal experience that sexuality and my own relationship with it has been very complicated as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think specifically just the messages and conditioning and programming we receive, and I'm sure we'll get into all of that. Um, but I'm so excited that there are people like you out there who are really empowering women and everybody to reclaim their sexual freedom, to learn how to have pleasure again, something that our society really doesn't value. Um, you know, it's really sad. It's like work, work, work. Let's value that, but let's not value self love and self pleasure and, you know, relationships and, and, you know, basking and (laughs) all of those things that really make you come alive. That's like a huge thing that I work with with clients is having them making sure that they have a self-pleasure practice. And you would be surprised how many people just don't. They're like, what is a self-pleasure practice? Or like when I ask them about like their masturbation habits or anything, they'll be like, oh yeah, I do it just to go to sleep. I'm like, wait, you're not finding any enjoyment in it? You're not like, <laughs> you're just like, like you're not like loving your body. You're not just, you're not like touching yourself and just like, oh my God, I'm so incredible that I can create this amount of energy and pleasure. Like my mm-hmm. is incredible. And yeah. And so it's so fascinating to, to learn the more I get into this work and the more I work with clients, like how many people don't have that because I truly think like having a self, not think, I believe it, that having a self-pleasure practice changes your entire life. Yeah, I, I could not agree more with that. And I think, I think the first question kind of I want to jump into is what is self-pleasure? Like for those people who yeah. don't understand, I know for me, I was like, oh, is this just only masturbation? <laughs> um, and then I realized, oh my God, no, it's like a lot of other incredible practices. So could you explain a little bit more mm-hmm. about what you think or your you know, perspective on these kinds of self-pleasure practices are? Yeah. So I think that, so self-pleasure for me really starts with masturbation. I think that's like the basis of it. And then you can work from there because once you have this 
uh, foundation, you are able to experience and allow yourself to experience pleasure in other areas. So you're allowed to really amplify that self-pleasure practice, but it has to start with yourself first and like loving your body and getting in tune with your body, deciding and learning what she needs to feel pleasure. Like that's where it has to start. And then you can start taking it outside and being like, oh, what do I want to do today? You know what would make me feel a lot of pleasure is that pumpkin spice latte. That would make mm. pleasure. And because you're, you're, once you're able to figure out the pleasure in your own body, you're able to really connect with yourself and then move that pleasure to say like, okay, this afternoon, I know I'm going to turn off my email for an hour and take my dog for a long walk. And that's going to be my pleasure practice today. Mm. But as women, especially, we have so many barriers around the allowment of ourselves to have pleasure. We grew up not at not being allowed to experience pleasure. I mean, I don't know any woman who was taught master about masturbation or like healthily taught about it. I just don't like, it's a lot of women. It's like something I did. I felt shameful about it. I was like humping my pillows as a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. Like and <laughs> the good old pillow <laughs> thing. We all know what that was. <laughs> yeah. And then like, and then let's like take that to the other examples. Like I can't have that pumpkin spice latte because in order to exist in this world as a woman, I need to be small. And that pumpkin spice latte has extra calories. Or I can't take that walk with my dog after dark because I won't feel safe. So there's so many ways in our world that as women, we are taught that we cannot experience pleasure. And for women and for my clients, I see this huge blockage where they're like, I don't even know. Like when I ask them to define pleasure, like, I don't even know. Like, I don't know the last time I felt pleasure in my life. And so I really, really, truly believe that once you start that masturbation practice, you start that self-pleasure practice, then you can go and you, it opens up your life to be like, okay, what else feels pleasurable? How else can I experience pleasure? But it has to start with yourself. Mm. And, and it really is just giving yourself permission to experience the joy and power that you can generate within yourself. Exactly. Yes. Like sometimes I just sit there and I'm like, oh my gosh, body, you are so amazing. Like you just gave me <laughs> this great energetic release and it was so beautiful and you are so powerful. Wow. This is incredible. Mm. And I don't think that we're really, um, you know, taught how to honor our bodies. We're really put at war as women with our bodies from even in utero, you know, mm -hmm. like our moms dieting or not eating certain things because they don't want to gain weight while they're pregnant is already like <laughs> in utero trauma, yeah. um, you know, and this idea that like we have to fit a specific mold and we have to, like you said, not take up space and, um, and, I, and, and not be selfish, which I think there's also this like mm. really toxic connection for women unconsciously between self-pleasure, you know, slash self-care, self-love, putting yourself first, essentially, mm -hmm. and um, being a selfish, greedy, bad individual because you're not putting everyone else before you. Um, yeah. Yeah. This idea that as women, in order to be a good woman, a good mother, a good lover, a good friend, we have to be a martyr. Like, I reject that. I totally reject that. In 2020, my, my goal was to disappoint more people. That was literally my goal. I was like, really? Here I disappoint more people. Because I'm like, I've been living so much for other people. I'm an Enneagram too. I'm a cancer. I am, I am all things sensitive caretaker mother. Like, that is it me. But because of that, I had spent so, many, so much time abandoning myself and what I needed. And so literally this year, I was like, I'm going to disappoint people. And that is my goal. I want to like, say no to things that don't align with me. I want to say, I want to cancel plans because I don't feel like it. Like, I want to tell someone, I didn't pick up your call because I was getting, I was smoking a joint in the bathtub. And I, <laughs> yes. like, I don't, you know, like, I want to, I want to basically be like, yes, I'm choosing these things for me and living yeah. for myself. And in taking care of and living for myself, it allows me to show up more, which has been kind of the interesting part of that. It's so true. Because you can really show up as yourself unapologetically. The thing yeah. that came to mind was how many times, um, and I have to catch myself in this often, I want to people please when turning people down or setting a boundary by making an excuse. I can't go to this because um, I have another call. I can't, um, you know, help you because I am not going to be in town. Um, but really, you're at home in your pajamas and you totally create them, right? But why can't we just say, hey, you know what? I'm actually like maxed out at my energetic capacity and I cannot help you right now. Um, you know, why can't yes. we have those conversations? Like those are the best ways to connect with people is to be real. 
I told that like it was a few months ago and my friend and I were going to meet at the park and I hadn't seen him in like probably like six months because of COVID and all this stuff. And so we were excited to catch up and all day I was just feeling really anxious. I was feeling super tired and I knew that I needed to take that night and like stay inside. And I just texted him. I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm feeling like a lot of anxiety today. I'm feeling like I'm worn down. I really need to stay home tonight. Um, so let's reschedule. And sending that honest text was so scary. Like in the moment, it was scary. My body was scary. I can't believe I'm going to let someone down. Oh my God. I don't want to let someone down. Like, and then he responded back and was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're taking time for yourself. Let's do something next week. Like take, enjoy your night off. And like the good people are going to understand. And the people that don't understand, they're the people that that's on them and that's on their ego. That's not on you. Yeah, absolutely. And those who really, really care about you and are worth having in your life will respond that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I I know that we've rescheduled this podcast a couple of times and it's because like energetically things have been off or like things have been coming up and I'm like, yeah, a hundred percent. Like let's do it when you're feeling amazing. And like when I'm feeling amazing and and everything is flowing because life is just better that way, guys. It's way better that way. Yeah. Cause the last time we were supposed to record this, my stomach was like, I was having terrible cramps that day. And I was like, yeah, I can, I was like, I can force myself to do this because I made a commitment and know that the conversation probably won't be good because I won't be super present or I can ask her to reschedule because I'm not feeling good. Mm. Like, what do I want to have? Do I want to have that momentary disappointment of telling you like, oh, I can't do this today because I don't feel good. Or do I want to have a conversation that isn't authentic and isn't great because I'm focused on this pain that's in my body? Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting, all the dynamics I think that are coming to light now that women are really stepping up and stepping into leadership and taking up space and saying, no, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to live life like a human being and make decisions that we want to make and live the way we want to live. And um, I think we're now deconstructing all of the programming and looking at it and waking up to this like, holy shit, you know, I've been denying myself so much. And I want to encourage you if you're listening and you're like, I do not have a masturbation practice. I don't have a self-pleasure practice. I don't say no to people because, or I make excuses and I don't have authentic conversations because I'm afraid. Really, really take stock of what's going on for yourself because this is no way to live. You know, it's like once we can step into our authenticity and say, look, I'm a human. Sometimes I'm up for things. Sometimes I'm not. Um, I want to be different. I want to do all this stuff. We never have to pretend and we never have to live with that existential pain of just not being yourself ever. And that is so much worse than having having like a difficult conversation that one time moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like to go along with that pleasure practice, it's interesting because so many women don't have it. And so what I tell my clients and then even my male clients, like they have this, like, um, I would just call it like almost robotic masturbation practice. Like I wake up in the morning, I masturbate, I go on with my day and it's like, no, you should be enjoying and like, feeling your body and understanding what's happening as you're moving through this. And so I give them the homework of like, you have to spend 30 minutes in self-pleasure this week. And that can be, you can break that up. You can do like five minutes a day. You can do like one 30 minute session, but you have to spend 30 minutes in self-pleasure. And that does not mean orgasm. Like, I think there's also this idea that like self-pleasure or masturbation is only successful if you have an orgasm. Like, Mm. I've had great, great self-pleasure time where I haven't had an orgasm and I've just played with myself for like an hour and I'm like, oh, look at this body like what it can do like like literally not having an objective not having like releasing that attachment to the outcome which also can create like this pressure that keeps people away from pleasure practices i know for me it was my thing like i was very conditioned like as a perfectionist (laughs) to have like the perfect pleasure practice and then i just did it (laughs) because it wasn't like you know and then i i think i heard i or i read an article or something heard a podcast where someone said something similar that was like oh the goal isn't to orgasm and I was like what and then it changed everything because there are times where you just want to appreciate appreciate your body and feel your skin and feel what it feels like to feel yourself and just be in that present moment and that's enough 
Yes. Bring that mirror. Watch, look at the, look at yourself in the mirror. I love bringing, I like bring my mirror in my closet sometimes. I'm like, ha, ah, I'm a goddess. Yes. I'm like, the other day I was like, even my stomach was rolls. Like, this is how I know how much my masturbation, like pleasure practices changed my life. Like it really has, like, it's gotten me out of an eating disorder. It's gotten me out of, I'm sitting on the bed and I'm masturbating and I have all these rolls and I look over in the mirror and my immediate thought was like, not we're discussing. My immediate thought was you look beautiful. And like, yes. <laughs> that, and it was because I was so embodied in my practice that like the stomach rolls that were happening had nothing to do with the beauty I was radiating. Mm. And you do glow. Like you can see it in your pictures. Like it is very clear <laughs> that there's something going on here. <laughs> I masturbate a lot. That's, <laughs> that's the trick. You know, I'm going to have to really up my game. Um, I need to, I need to have this glow. It's so great. I love having these conversations because it's so freeing. You know, it's like, I think yes. girls have these conversations in the, in the privacy of their own or women in the privacies of their own home. You have girls night and then you don't, you never talk about it again. Right. <laughs> or you just don't, you only talk about it within your close circle. Um, but really we have to like normalize it, normalize just women putting themselves first, experiencing pleasure, like loving your body and understanding yes. that that's, that's what's going to help you show up for everything else that you want to show up with, with ease, with confidence, with grace, with flow. Um, and you're going to be fucking healthy as fuck because masturbating like boosts your immune system. It like helps your muscles, helps your whole body release. So good. Oh my God. It's like amazing. So yeah, I think it's so important that we're having this conversation. Yes, it is. And it's, it's like, let's, the more we talk about it, the more we do shameify, which allows people to step into it. Like secrets keep us sick. Like that is so true. So, so if you're not having these conversations with friends or family or whoever, like figure out someone you can have this conversation with because you need to have these conversations. They're healthy. Like whether you believe in a God or evolution or whatever, like we can't deny the fact that literally our bodies were created or evolved for pleasure. Like we were created to experience pleasure. Mm, That's yeah. It is our birthright to experience pleasure. Why would we ever take that out of our lives? And the fact that it has been taken out of our lives is just so disappointing. And that's why I'm doing the work I'm doing because it's like, it's our birthright. Let's figure out how to make it part of our lives because it needs to be. Mm, I love that. It is your birthright. This is like how you were born. This is how your body operates. And to right. be in our heads all the time is such a disservice to the full possibility of your lived experience because so much of life is not in your head. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Oh my God. So I love this. And I want to actually backtrack because I'm not sure everybody knows your story. And I think it's so relevant to the work that you do um, because in so much of your healing journey, um, this reclamation of your sexual goddess energy and your body mm -hmm. and your like life and everything, um, yeah, share with us a little bit about your journey because it was so unique when I heard about it. I'm just so yes. amazed by you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I feel the same way about you. I'm amazed and I love you. So yes. Oh my God, I love you guys. I, like literally, we're going to have to do recordings live so y'all can like get in on the love fest. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love this because on my podcast too, there's always like a moment where we'll just stop and I'm like, I love you. And they're like, I love you. And it's like, I love you. <laughs> we should be talking about this. We should be saying this more and sharing it because women are not competition we're like each other's like lifeblood mm, I so. think like we definitely the minute that we realize that literally if we just stopped letting other people pit us against each other and we actually empowered each other to just shine in our divine energy and like whatever our uniqueness is the world would be a different place like, it changes everything. It yeah. changes everything like literally when I change my mindset from seeing someone at like a spin studio I'm really into like indoor cycling. When I would, I would go in and I would see someone who had like a great outfit and a great butt and like great abs. I'd be like, oh, she's so annoying. I hate her. I don't want to, and I would just be, I would be so negative in my mind. And when I change my mindset to actually be like, she looks fucking hot. Yes. Good for you. Or like, like, Oh, look at, yeah, you have a great body. And I would actually just like start complimenting and I'd be like, I love your outfit. You look great. Like, you know, and it changes everything. It's like, 
I do the same thing. I literally do the same thing. And by, yeah. by like randomly complimenting other women and like being like, Hey, I see you like working yeah. it. Um, it's been healing for me and my kind of bullying situation growing up being really bullied by like these popular girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really ruined kind of like most of my adult relationships. Cause a lot of like stuff that I didn't realize from that trauma was really keeping me from becoming close with women. And, um, you know, now this kind of practice of if I see a woman in the street and I'm walking past her, I'm in a coffee line shop and like, I'll just like say, I really love something that you're wearing or I love your hair. Not always, not like creepy, but if it feels like the right moment, I might say something and I made great friends that way. Like I've, there are people who have been like, oh my God, I was having the worst day. And just by like you just saying that you really just turn things around. Um, And you never know. You never know. It's one of my closest friends. We talk about this all the time. We met, uh, we were speaking at an event last winter and um, we, she's like this tall, beautiful, like blonde babe, just like total, just like stunning. She's one of those women that walks into a room and everyone's like, who is that? Right. And so, yeah. Speaking at this event and after the event, I was like, I'm kind of intimidated by you because you're really pretty. And she's like, wait, you're really pretty. And we like became really good friends. And we've talked about this multiple times. The fact that like, if we would have met each other, like five years before we would have been bitches to each other because we had so much work that we had not done on ourselves to heal our relationship with women and seeing another beautiful woman would have been strictly competition instead of seeing them and saying like, how can I work with them? How do I get some of that? Like, how do we do this together? And like now we're getting ready to lead a retreat in like a few months and all this stuff. So it's like really crazy how much your life can change when you just change that perspective of like that woman is not my competition. She could be my greatest cheerleader. I could be her greatest cheerleader. Mm, Yes. I always like to say collaboration over competition. That's where power is and um, and authenticity and all the good stuff that we love. It'll change your life. Go give somebody a compliment. Go give a woman who looks great. Tell her she looks great, but don't be weird about it. And, um, and, you know, uplift each other because there's room for every one of us to shine, to take space, to have our needs met, to have our goals and dreams met. Um, There's room for all of it. 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know. Well, this is, that was really important. <laughs> no, that was really important. And, and, and I know you and I were talking before this that like, we just like to jam out. Like we don't really plan these conversations for this reason, mm-hmm. because there are things that'll come up that we need to say at this time, um, because this is just what has to be talked about. And so we let it flow. So I'm really glad that we did. That was really important. Um, but yeah, tell us yeah. about your, your background. Yeah, so I grew up um, in a fundamentalist evangelical Christian cult, um, and I left in my early 20s, so about almost 10 years ago now, which is crazy, Um, and so growing up in that, I was a part of, like, a big part of uh, purity culture. Um, That was a huge part of my life, like, the daddy-daughter dances, did a lot of those, (laughs) Um, and uh, really grew up in this, also, like, it's kind of hard if you're not involved in the religion to, to go back. So let me explain it to people that haven't or like, are like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't know what you're talking about. There are very different. There are like hundreds of different types of Christianity. The, hap- the one I happened to be involved in was one that took the Bible for the literal truth. And so like women weren't allowed to be pastors. Um, my high school dance when I was at a Christian school um, was just a banquet because we weren't allowed to dance with anyone um, except we were allowed to do the cha-cha slide. So to this day, I hate that song so much because it literally played on repeat for like three hours at this banquet because we could just cha-cha slide. Oh my God. That sounds like torture. <laughs> if you want to talk about a nightmare, <laughs> I can tell you. So That's like, oh, honestly, like that kind of reminds me of this one time I went to Cabo for spring break freshman year I was still drinking and I could not drink tequila like I don't drink now but back then I couldn't drink tequila after that for like years because it just brought back way too many yes. horrible horrible memories horrible oh no yeah so that's and so I got engaged like that's what you do and like you get engaged young because you're not you're not allowed to have sex if you have sex you're going to hell um so you get engaged or married young and that's really common and so I got engaged when I was 19 to like my high school sweetheart who was a big um leader in the church that we went to and it's really um it was my inner guides and my spirit guides that actually helped me step out of that I still to this day I'm not sure what happened he was really abusive he was sexually and 
um, emotionally abusive, would always tell me just like, you're stupid, you're ugly, no one would ever want you, I don't know how anyone could date you, I'm like, if you ever leave me, you're going to be alone forever, like, just like, classical narcissist and manipulating and like, emotional abusive behavior, like, I treat you so well, even though they don't. And then like manipulating you into believing that so that you stay right. Mm -hmm. I'm 19. And also growing up in this religion, I was taught that like men are always the source of all knowledge and the source of leadership. And not only that, but he has this very big portrayal in front of people being this very godly man. So I'm also supposed to double listen to him because he has this, he's also a godly man. So much pressure, so much pressure. And I remember one day, like, being in my dorm and just thinking, like, I just had this, like, overwhelming presence in my body. Like, if you don't leave, you're not going to live. Like, you're not going to survive. And I don't know if that would be by him or my own hands. I have no idea. But I just knew, like, if I stay, I'm not going to live. Like, this is, I'm not going to survive this. And so I, like... 20-year-old Rachel was, is a fucking warrior. I don't know how she did this. She broke up, and I broke off an engagement, like, a few months before a wedding. Like, holy shit. embarrassing. Wow. You know, so, like, at that, I still, like, feel, like, when I think about it, even in my body now, I still feel embarrassment. It's, like, something that you carry. Um, yeah. I think as a woman and having, like, a failed engagement, like, there's a lot of stigma and pressure around that, where, like, women who have gone through divorce or anything like that, even if it was the best decision for you, it's like a lot of stigma around that. Yeah. I mean, it happened so young. There's a lot of judgment around it. Like you were stupid. You were so, you know, all of these things. And so it's still a lot of judgment that I'm still breaking through and like healing from. But so I ended up leaving him. And when I did, the church kind of subsequently left me. It wasn't really my plan to leave the church. That wasn't my plan at all. I was like, I'm going to leave him. I'm going to be involved in the church. And um, my Bible study leaders actually took me aside like the next week and said, like, you're obviously not living in God's plan. Um, like you ending this relationship with um, your fiance is like, that is, that was God's plan for you. He's a godly man. And like, obviously you're living in sin. So until you decide to like live and <laughs> live oh my God. with Jesus, basically we, we don't want you to come to the Bible study. Oh my God. So you not just, you didn't just like end an engagement and go against everything you'd ever been programmed and you were in an abusive situation, unhappy, and then your community turned on you. Yeah. My community completely turned on me. And the thing about the religion I was involved with was like, you don't have friends outside of that because they're sinners. So like my community within religion was all I had. I had no friends outside of that. I had no support. Um, I mean, to this day, I don't talk to any of my extended family. They all like tell my parents that I'm going to hell. I only, I speak, I have a good relationship with my parents and my sister and my brother-in-law, but like anyone else, like they're, they see me and tell me, like tell my parents all the time that I'm going to hell. And it's just this really, really hard thing to break out of. And, um, I look at them now and I feel so much sadness for them because I am living like the best life ever. And I feel so free and so happy. And when I see people still like living in that smallness of that, um, controlling religion. I'm like, you, you could have such a better life. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of my story. And then I, uh, lost my community, lost an engagement, lost my family really. Um, and it was, I fumbled a lot. <laughs> I didn't have anyone teaching me. Like I didn't have anyone showing me anything. I had no idea where to find resources. I didn't really know anyone who had even left religion at that point. And I didn't understand um, the trauma involved with leaving religion. Like there's a lot of trauma and like still to this day, I'm deprogramming trauma and deprogramming like specific ideas I had around different things. Um, and so it wasn't until about, I was 26 when I started writing my book. I'm, I'm almost 30 now. And so, and when my book was published, it's my memoir about leaving religion and my story, it's called Finding Feminism. Um, and after that, it was interesting because I just kind of felt this calling into this like world of sexual reclamation because I had so many, I did not ever expect that this is where the book was going to go. I kind of was like, I'm going to put the book out here and this is for my healing, like more than anything else, like this is for me. And if it touches one person, that's amazing. 
And then the book blew up and I was like, wait, what do I do now? <laughs> like, you know, I met Becca Tobin and she was like, come on the Lady Gang podcast. And I was like, oh my God, like what is happening? I don't know what, what is going on with my life right now. How is this all happening? Wow. And so it, it just kind of blew up and it was interesting because the book does talk a lot about the sexual repression involved in uh, religion. Um, and I'm going to use that as a blanket term because there's a lot of sexual re- oppression involved in many religions, not just Christianity. Like sexual repression is typically a piece of a lot of religions. Um, and so when it came out, I had so many women reach out to me and like, I didn't, and they're like, I didn't realize that this is why I was having a hard time with my sexual relationships in my adulthood. Like, I didn't realize that this is why when my husband wants to like make love, I feel disgusted. And it's like all of these, all of the shame and trigger, right? And so it kind of unintentionally, like the book led to this journey of me being like, I want to work with these people. I want to work with these people who don't know or like how to have pleasure and like how to communicate what their desires and how to have really fulfilling relationships with themselves and with their lovers. And um, so it just kind of propelled into this thing. And now here I am a year and a half after the book is published and I had no idea this is where I was going to be or this is what I was going to be doing, but I'm just kind of like following the universe and letting them lead me. Oh my God. Yeah. That's my God. First of all, what an incredible story and what an incredible life and, and so much strength and courage to do what you did. Um, you guys like not everything is going to be easy, but the one thing that you know, should be easy is, is, should be, but isn't, is really listening to yourself and what you need and giving it to yourself no matter what anyone else thinks. And that's one of the hardest things to do. It should be easier. So we're going to try and make it easier by, you know, let's teach ourselves self-love and self-awareness and how to heal and all of those things. Um, yeah. And that book sounds amazing. I have to order it. I'm so like, I had no idea when you, when we met that, um, that you had a book. And so did you yeah. write that like after you moved, like immediately after you kind of like left or how did that even start? Yeah. So I started writing the book. So I left, like, I would say I, it's kind of hard. So I ended the engagement when I was uh, 20. Um, and then, so like, I kind of started leaving religion then, but not of my own will. And so I kind of like fully left religion. I would say by like 22, I was like, it took me, I mean, it's a lot of years of deprogramming. And so it took me until I was like two years later, 22 to be like, yeah, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in any of that. And like, if there is a God, it's definitely not the God I was taught about. Like that God, I don't want anything to do with him. Yeah. So, um, I, and then, so, it was probably when I was 25. So about three years after that, I started like kind of sharing my story more um, because I was always really private about it because I felt super embarrassed. I felt really embarrassed that I had been engaged really young. I felt embarrassed about the fact that I had been like this Bible thumping Christian going on like mission trips all the time and trying to save people's souls. Like I felt embarrassed about a lot of it. And so I didn't really tell people. And so when I was 25, I started opening up and sharing my story more. And when that happened, I had so many people like, just tell me people need your story. Like the story is important. It's important if you haven't left religion, like it's a story of choosing yourself and deciding like what I want and what I want my life to look like. is not what it currently looks like. How do I change this? Um, and so I started writing like barely when I was 25, I had no idea what I was doing. I have a degree in hospitality and tourism management. Like <laughs> not, I was just like, I'm just writing. I had no idea how to set a scene. I had no idea how to do anything. Like, I love that. I started though. Cause I knew I needed to do it. So I was like, I'm going to do this. And so then when I was, I was, let's see, the book came out when I was 28. So it was when I was 27, about two years after that, I was at a women's event and talk about women supporting women. That's the whole reason this book is out there. I met, um, who's now one of my best friends, Talia. And she was like, well, what do you do? And I was like, well, I'm in sales, but like, I have this, I don't even know why I've said it. Cause I typically didn't even tell people, but for some reason it just came out of my mouth. And I was like, I have this book that I'm trying to write. And like, that's something I want to do. And she's like, wait, tell me more. And she was really interested in it. And then she was like, my friend Lindsay just wrote a book. You should connect with her. And so she connected me. Lindsay like took time out of her day to like just talk to me a stranger and explain the writing process. And then when I explained what I wanted to do, she was like, wait, I think you should talk to my publisher because she's been wanting to publish a story of a woman leaving religion. And I literally, I know I was like, I don't even know what 
publisher is. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, literally no idea. <laughs> so, and so it was literally this journey of women helping me see myself and see my potential. And then the book, I started like really, really writing, I would say. And like, I hired a writing coach so that my writing would be more mature than like uh, high school English classes. Um, and so I, it was, let's see. The book came out in April of 2019. I started really writing in May of 2018 and it, the book was finished with my writing process in December. So I wrote a book in about seven months. Wow. That's pretty fast. It was really fast, but I knew that like, I was like, I've been sitting on this for two years and not really doing anything. I've got to give myself a timeline. And so when my publisher was like, do you want a year? Like, do you want six months? I was like, I want six months. Cause I want to force myself to do this. I'm going like, <laughs> I love that. You're just like, get it done. <laughs> I'm like, let me just get this done. Let me power this out. If I do a year, I know what I'll do and I'll wait six months and not write anything. And then use that last six months to power write it anyway. So let's just do six months. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's interesting. I think this speaks to a couple of things. Like, guys, your story matters. You know, whether you think that you have something to share that's important or not, guaranteed, whatever you've gone through in your life, you know, people can relate to it. And mm -hmm. the more that we show this kind of shadow sides of ourselves, these, these parts of ourselves we might be ashamed of or we're, we're in pain from and we don't, we're, we don't want people to see, the more that we expose that to the light with compassion, with you know, forgiveness and love, then shame can exist. And then we can all connect with each other a lot better. So you know, if you're sitting there and you're like, I don't, I don't think I have a story to tell. I don't think this is anything that anybody is going to do, you know, pay attention to. They're just going to make fun of me. You know, all these bad things are going to happen, I want to challenge you to think about the person that um, is losing out because you're not sharing your story. Yeah. Think about that person that needs to hear that this is something that they can do, that you're holding a mirror up to the possibility that their life could be different just simply by sharing your life. You know, so your, your voice really matters. Don't hold back, start an Instagram page, share your truth. And you'll find that people will step in to help you figure out what your next steps are and what your path is. And the universe really comes in and supports you. Yeah, absolutely. Like your story matters. Like whenever I have followers reach out and they're like, I want to write a book or I want to tell my story. I'm like, do it, literally do it. Don't why don't hold yourself back. Like your story is valuable. There's no story that's not valuable. And who cares if 20 people read it or if 20,000 people read it, it matters to people. Like if you want to do something that matters, do it. Do it a hundred percent. Oh my God. I love this. So, okay. I'm trying to think if there's anything else like we should talk about or that I feel called to talk about on this podcast. Cause all this stuff is like, so uh, makes me feel so good that there are people like you out there, um, you know, shedding light on all of this that, you know, we can really reclaim our own body, mind, and spirit for whatever we want to do. But the permission mm -hmm. starts with you. It starts with you actually being the one to validate your own point of view, validate how you feel and to figure out exactly what has to happen so that you can be happy. And it doesn't involve changing everybody else around you to meet you. It involves you having the courage to stand out and to walk away and to yes. from anything no longer serving you a hundred percent yeah absolutely and like when you open up and you share those parts of yourself I always say like everyone deserves your authenticity not everyone deserve, deserves your vulnerability like there's a big difference everyone deserves your authenticity and when you show up authentically and it changes everything like the relationships I had in my early 20s I don't really have relationships with any of those people anymore because I wasn't being true to who I was and now that I'm like very, I mean, if you follow me or see me, I'm like very out there. I'm basically like, I am an open book. You can ask me anything and I'll tell you anything. Like if you listen to the pot, I like don't hold anything back. Literally anytime I like, I'm about to invite a new lover or like have some intimacy with someone. I'm like, I might talk about this on the podcast. Just so you know, like I won't mention your name, but just so you know, like if you want to have sex with me, I'm probably gonna talk about it. <laughs> I love that. So it's, it's, it makes life a lot easier. You don't have to hide. <laughs> right. I'm just like, I'm not going to mention your name or no one's going to know who you are. Like, yeah, no, I'm not sharing pictures of you on social media, but yeah. Like when you open yourself up to that, it allows you to have really incredible authentic relationships. So relationships I have with men and women in my life are so incredibly deep 
and valuable and compassionate and loving and relation. Like I have a family. I have a really good family and it's a chosen family that has come because I showed up authentically. Like I couldn't have this family if I was still living in my shadow self in my early twenties, leaving religion and just kind of like not sure of who I was or what I wanted and unable to speak or articulate anything. Like I show up really authentically and if people don't like it, then that's fine. But like, you don't need to be in my yeah. life. People that really like it. Awesome. Like, come on in. I'm, let's, let's have a party. Like, Yeah. And not everybody is for you. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or you're not no. great or you're not lovable. It's just like, literally we could not be friends with every single person on, on this earth and get along with every single person on this earth. There are people no. meant for you, but we can't find you if we can't see you. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so good. We can't find you if we can't see you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I know for me, I'm very similar. Like a lot of my friends in my early twenties, the goal was make friends who like will be fun and like, we'll go out together and we'll take good pictures together yeah. and it'll look good. Um, and I'll feel like important or whatever it was. But like what I attracted was just people I had to be not myself around because those kinds of people, um, weren't like, spiritual and like in the healing space and like in that kind of soft space of like, you know, the self-awakening, self-discovery, spiritual yeah. awakening stuff. And so when I started to go into that and really show like, okay, actually I'm not cool with going to the bars every night and I'm not actually someone who enjoys parties. Like I used to go to parties all the time. I don't even know how I did that. I have so much social anxiety. Like, <laughs> like, and then I would go and binge drink because I was so anxious. You're so anxious. Do yeah. stupid shit and like be regretted the next day. And like, it just was like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it all starts with being authentically you because then those people wouldn't have wanted to hang out with me anyway. If I was like, Oh, are you into, you know, smoking cannabis and watching movies and you know, doing tarot readings no okay right. you know yeah. see you later <laughs> right do you want to come over and like learn the lop dance and like chill and hang out and just talk like that sounds great to me yeah, yeah. yes yes also the older I get the more I'm like oh parties are like a lot <laughs> I totally agree. And especially after COVID, I don't think I'm ever wearing a bra again. Um, oh, girl, I haven't worn a bra in like six months. Legit. Like <laughs> all my wired bras, I like actually put them in my garage because I was like, I just need to donate these. Like, I don't think I'm ever I'm dead. No, that's so me. It's so funny. Actually, like two weeks ago, I reorganized my entire bedroom and all my drawers. And I was like, on my top drawer and like my dresser was like my bras. And I was like, I don't use these. So I took them and I packed them away and I put them in the back of my closet. Yeah, I was like, I'm not wearing a bra. Like literally, no. why have I been doing this to myself? And then I, but then I started researching and like how good it actually is for your breasts to not wear a bra and how they like will actually be perkier because they're like naturally supporting themselves versus having a bra so the muscles don't have to work to support themselves. So that I was like, oh, so I'm going to have perkier boobs and I don't have to wear a cage. Cool. I'm a hundred percent in. Very, very cool. I'm very yeah. into that. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I'm so anti-bra right now. The only bras I put on have been like to take sexy pictures for like lovers or to like like have sexy time with someone and the bra's literally on for like ten minutes. I'm like, <laughs> that's oh. it. It's not yeah. like a day-to-day -day necessity anymore. <laughs> no. I love like, it. I had this uh I was like doing some um plant medicine a few weeks ago and i had this like at that time i thought it was this epiphany and we maybe you can tell me what you say but i had this like epiphany of like why women's breasts are um need to be censored versus men's tell and me it all comes down to fat phobia like i had this like thing i was like it comes down to fat phobia like because everyone is fucking scared of fat people like fat people like because <laughs> i was yeah, like I see that. because this is literally just fat and muscle on my chest and why is that why is that more offensive than a man who has a flat chest mm. like or even think about it like a woman who has a flatter chest and she's wearing a really low cut top no one says anything when i wear a low cut top people are like oh your boobs are out and it's like my best friend's wearing the same shirt. She just has like a flatter chest. Like, what do you mean? You know, oh, I hate that. <laughs> like, in the plan medicine, I'm like screaming. I'm like, it's fat phobia. It's fat phobia. Like, 
I I'm actually going on a plant medicine journey in I think two weeks and I'm super excited and um, I'm excited to see what kind of revelations I have makes sense I mean I think I don't you know I, I don't know like what the answer is but it that makes sense to me I, I also know from like this if because I come from the psychology world another part of it too might be um, you know that that breasts are very representative unconsciously of like the mother mm-hmm. and so for those of us who maybe have a more like bustier chest like you and me um you know like when we show that off it's like associated with like motherhood and it's wrong and dirty and like those are the breasts that you're supposed to feed your children with and how can they be sexualized um and it's a lot easier with with i think maybe women who don't have as much on top to not maybe receive that much lash out because it's yeah. not yeah, it's in your face. Um, but I've, I've had the same experiences and, um, and it just blows my mind. I'm like, I'm wearing the same fucking top and I'm not showing right. my nipples are not out. I'm not like right. a vulgar, um, yes. but like, wow. And it's going to be interesting. Um, because Devin and I are engaged now, which is like awesome. And we're talking about kids potentially in the next couple of years, if, you know, if things seem like uh, safe out there. Um, But like the idea that I've had friends who have breastfed in public and have been shamed, not just by men, like, but by women who have actually come to them and said, put your shit away. And it's like, oh, Oh my God. Like what? Like what is happening? Like why is get like, let, let us be, let the boobs be for God's right. sake. Like men can walk around all they want. Why can't I? Like, I, I'm just like, I also just like love nudity and I love people. I love everyone. I love, I just love bodies. I think bodies are beautiful and fascinating and like incredible, incredible designs in all shapes, sizes, colors, whatever. Like I just love bodies and I love looking at people's bodies and like, it's just fascinating to me. So we guess like, even I have my friend Kim the other day, she was like breastfeeding her son and she was like, do you mind? And I was like, no. Also the fact that you feel like you had to ask me that when you're in your own home, like, I'm sorry that our society has done this to you. You should be able to do whatever you want in your own home. And I'm offended. That's my fault, not yours. Like that's on me. Like you're doing a natural thing, feeding your baby. And the idea that, like, you have to go to a bathroom stall, which is so disgusting. So gross. Like, what would you – do you eat in the bathroom stall? Why would you make your kid eat in a bathroom stall? That's, it's like, gross. gross. Yeah. Anyway, we go on for that for hours. Yeah. You, ladies, like, let, your, let your titties hang. Let, let them hang. out. Let them out. If someone says anything, just understand that they are repressing their own titties, whether they're men yes. or women. They're repressing something, and it has nothing to do with you. <laughs> Like literally, I had a friend the other day. She's like, I can see her nipples, and I was like, Okay, your point. Like, she's like, Yeah, they're like hard, and I was like, Yeah, because it's cold outside. Like, that's what my body is naturally doing. Like, <laughs> what? What is your point? I'm not. I don't have a bra. On. My body is cold. My nipples are pointing. I don't know what to tell you. Like, she's like, Are you embarrassed? And I was like, Literally, no. <laughs> Why would I be embarrassed of my body and its natural reactions to? Uh, stimulation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no shame, guys. And I know I was like, I've been out at a couple of different places without a bra on. And I have had that shame come up where I'm like, ooh, like people can see. And it's like, I just stand there and I do the deconditioning of like, this is me. This is my body. It's okay. <laughs> and like, I literally have to talk myself through it. And as I've done that now, I literally don't think about it because I did it starting in COVID. I was like, well, you know, no one's going to, I'm just going to the grocery store and I'm going to come back. And like, it's not like I'm going to the, and then I was like, okay, actually, this is a great practice for self-acceptance and like anytime I go out now I'm like okay like if I feel uncomfortable feel if I feel like someone's staring or I feel like whatever I just and I feel that feeling come up of like shame or like I need to hide I take up more space I love it you're like here's this titty here's that titty let me show you here they are guys if you're watching the video you can see me like jumping up and down. right we're just like with our titties on the screen right now but you know I think look we have to love our bodies like back to like where we even started with this, which is just yeah. like learning how to like have find pleasure in your body. Like what's saying that that cold sensation doesn't feel awesome? <laughs> you know what? Sometimes it like, does. Sometimes like, it does. And that's awesome. <laughs> hey, like men walk around and I mean, how many times have we seen men playing with their balls? Like literally oh my God. at dinner, on a date, like at a party. Like I, like how many times have we just seen men like stick their hand in their pants and play with their balls? I'm like, my nipples are not offensive. I'm sorry. Like, if that's not offensive, then my nipples are definitely not offensive. I think that's the perfect analogy. <laughs> Truly, yeah. yeah. 
I love like it. just kind of like your boobs get stuck, your balls get stuck. Like we just have to adjust things and t- like let it be. We got shit to adjust. We are human <laughs> beings. We live yes. in a meat sack. Like right. we got to work with what we've got. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, like let it be free. <laughs> Yeah, for real, for real. So if you're somebody who really is not letting your body be free, like one of the things that I, I this, this is something I want to ask you as we kind of wrap up here is, can you give us some like tips for starting a self-pleasure practice if you've spent a long time or you feel maybe some shame around it? Like what are some yeah. baby steps to getting back into that kind of um, practice? Get something like, in, the first thing I would say is like invest in a toy that you're excited about, like something that you're excited to try. Like I love my clitoral stimulator suction cups. Like literally, I was gonna say that's my favorite one. Oh, I have so many of them. It's like, which one am I gonna use today? And companies keep sending them to me, and I'm like, bring them, bring it on. Like, so I'm like, I I love them. Like, it is unlike anything you've ever felt. There are times where I'm like, did I just break my vulva? Like, it was so my orgasm was so good. Like, that's that's the type of stuff I'm talking about. So there's a lot of really great ones. If you want, if you're curious, like shoot me a DM and I'm happy to talk you through and kind of like share with you, like what I like based on my needs and my experiences. But, um, invest in a toy you really like something that gets you excited. And so like, I would say, don't buy the $20, like bullet vibrator that is going to break in three days. And just because you feel like you have to have something, invest in something that makes you feel good and is excited. Pick a color you like. Choose what stimulation you want. Do you want internal or external? Like I'm an external girl. I don't really like internal stimulation very much. So I do like a lot of the clitoral stimulators. And like, if it comes with a G-spot massager, I normally don't use it. Like, I just, I don't like that as much. Yeah. And so figure out what you want there. And then like, it, like homework, 30 minutes. You have 30 minutes this week that you are supposed to engage in self-pleasure. And it can be like, you can use a toy. You cannot use a toy. It could literally be like you looking in the mirror and just touching your body. Like it could be you actually touching your clitoris and your vulva and stimulating it, but spend naked time with yourself, pleasing your body. And I would say for people that haven't done it, start simple. So I actually like take that vibrator and like feel the sensation on your arms, like feel the sensation of it on your hands, feel the sensation of it on your stomach before you move to your vulva. Like feel how this vibrator is making your body stimulate and what feels good and what doesn't. And then if you're ready and you want to like move to your vulva, but once again, don't have the expectation of orgasm. Like I've had like actually one of the best sexual experiences of my life where it was like so incredible. I didn't have an orgasm. Like you can have really great sex and not have an orgasm. Yes. (laughs) Really great playtime with yourself and not have an orgasm. Like, this is all about self-love and self-pleasure. And so if you leave five minutes of like, and you leave and you're like, I felt self-pleasure. That's awesome. That is an accomplishment. Like it doesn't have to have an orgasm. So take 30 minutes, play with sensations, like even small things. Like I like the other day I was like playing with my hair while I was touching myself and I was like, Ooh, this feels really good. Mm. It keep, I keep finding new sensations and I do this all the time. Like even the other, and I was, or I was like, I was, uh, um, like not really choking myself, but like putting my hands close to my neck and like feeling my collarbone as I breathed in and out during masturbation. And I was like, this is so cool. Oh, that's so interesting. Like feeling like the movement in my collarbone, like that felt really cool and unique. And so there are so many sensations that your body is making. Like they're literally there. You can't, you can't experience them all. Like I'm still So play with your body, experience, touch different parts. Like I had a lover the other day who like licked a toe and I was like, that's weird, but that felt really good. I've never had anyone do that. Like, but that felt good. So like do it. Yeah. Yeah. And And then I think the other key is like no judgment, judgment free. Like if the, the thing that comes into my head during my practices is I get in my head, right? I'm mm. like either, oh, it has to, you know, I have this much time <laughs> or, um, you know, it's not happening fast enough because there's a goal right. or, 
like getting caught up in your thoughts or anything like that. Um, and so like really just continuing to like, like focus on the actual physical sensations. And I love the way you talk about like moving that vibrator all up your body and all around your arms and all just feeling what that feels like uh, playing with temperatures, like ice cubes. Um, yeah. I love that. I think it's so interesting and, and pleasurable. And then I love the, the hair thing. So I go to this, it's not open and I'm so, so sad. There's this Korean spa in K town um, in oh. LA and I'm obsessed with it. If you want the info, just DM me. I don't like to just blow them up because they're kind of small and I enjoy the privacy. <laughs> um, but like for $50 or $30, you get access to their full spa and every, it's all women. Everybody's naked and they're getting massages. They're getting, they're soaking. They're doing all of these incredible, incredible things. Um, and whenever I go, I get this full body treatment that is like so pleasurable. I get scrubbed. They rub oil into me. They give me a massage. Like, and then they do this thing uh, where they put tea tree oil in my, on my scalp and they do this like peppery minty scalp massage that like I my whole body it's like it's like sh like shivering in like ecstasy like, and like aroused and like like there's some kind yeah there's like chi energy there's something like it's like aroused it's like sensitive it's like and then my whole yeah. body feels like it's like a goose bumpy and it's like oh like a shiver goes down my spine and that is like one of my favorite feelings getting my head or scalp like really massaged <laughs> oh me too like I, I always tell my hairdresser I'm like I'm, I've been seeing her for like six years and she's amazing I'm like whenever we we shampoo my hair like I get really aroused like because it just feels good <laughs> Like, yeah like it just and I like I like to use the word aroused because I talk about it like it's feeling like it makes me feel really it makes me feel pleasure it makes me feel in my body but there's a big difference between like being aroused and being turned on and like those are two different things like her massaging myself is arousing I'm not turned on by it like I'm not like mm -hmm. I want to come over later and like hang out you know <laughs> it's, it's not like a sexual arousal it's like an arousal a sensorial arousal yeah and right? so yeah I I think for so long I was so scared of pleasure that even like me allowing myself to enjoy my hairstylist like massaging my head was really hard for me mm -hmm. and once I just like there's also like the shame and arousal like arousal should be a shaming it's something our bodies do to prepare and to like let us know that they're feeling pleasure arousal is great yeah absolutely it's like your okay. your signal that, that there's yeah. something happening I went to that Korean like a Korean spa in K-Town the last time I was in LA um and that woman cleaned me and she was more intimate with my vulva than any lover I've ever a hundred percent literally like opening the flaps and she's like scrubbing yeah. Yeah, I was shocked the first time I went. So if you guys don't know, let me like give you some background. Yeah. So you, like a traditional Korean spa is life-changing. You, It's like basically yes. taking, there's no frills. It's like you go in there to get a tune-up. Like you go in there to get your shit scrubbed, your kinks worked out of your muscles. There are all these, in, at least in the one I went to, it's all these Asian women in their underwear and they call you over to like a kind of plastic covered like thing and egg bed. This is not the four seasons. This is not <laughs> the four seasons. They scrub the crap out of you. And I, you just watch all of your dead skin like coming off and you're like, what? But I remember the first time I went, this woman grabbed my leg and she just like opened my legs and she was like, -da -da, like and I'm just sitting there like, okay. And actually like, ugh, I never felt more loved, more like judged, yes. more goddessy than when I left. I was like, oh, I'm coming every week. <laughs> yes it's so amazing it's like I've never felt more like a goddess than in that like when I was leaving and it, even like my breast she's like lifting it up and like scrubbing all underneath it and I'm like holy shit I don't even do this like I should probably like lift my breast up and scrub underneath <laughs> Yeah, and they give you the little scrubbers, which is great. They're like, here, we scrubbed your whole body. We, you felt it. Like, you, you see how you have to do it. Like, take right. it home with you. I'll never do it at home. I can't do it half as well as they can. I did it, like, once for, like, five minutes, and I got bored. I was like, this is hard. I'm it's hard. <laughs>
Oh my God. I love it. Well, thank you so much for, for being on the show. And I can't wait to jump onto yours and just talk yes. straight pleasure on your podcast. It's called, um, remind me one more time. Let's talk pleasure. Let's talk pleasure. That's what it's yeah. called. And you have so many things going on. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of the women who follow me love, 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 um, the sexual reclamation stuff, um, and all of the things that you talked about today. So share with us a little bit about how we can find you, where we can, where we can hang out with you? Do you have any offerings? Like, how do you work with people? How can we get more of Rachel? Yes. So I am uh, two, I have a couple options. So one, if you are in Denver or Colorado, my friend Jessica, who I mentioned earlier, we are actually leading a two day pleasure workshop in January. And um, that is going to be announced in November. So by the time this podcast is out, I'm sure. So you'll see that in my, it'll be on my website. It's racheloverball.com. And there'll be more info about that. Jessica is a dating and love coach. And then I'm coming from like the sex and intimacy world. So together it's going to be fire two days. Um, can't wait. It's in person and, and in, in person in okay. Denver. We're only allowing 20 people because of COVID and it's in like a big, uh, awesome space. And so we're really, really excited about it. Um, it'll just be like time to let your guard down and de-shamify and like step into these things we're talking about. Um, so I'm really, really so excited. Um, I also am opening up coaching spots for one-on-one -on -one coaching right now. Um, and so I have three spots available and, um, that is really exciting. So if you liked what I had to say today and you're like, oh wait, I didn't realize I need sexual reclamation or like, I didn't even know what this was. Like, please reach out to me. Um, we can talk about it, go through the application and stuff. Um, and then I have my podcast. And if you like what I talked about today, I talk about that every week and even in more graphic detail. So if you're interested in like, yes, I, I, I love tuning in. Like every time I hear an episode, I'm just like, okay, I feel like I need to like integrate this for a day or two, but it literally like, like gives me so much life. You guys check it out. Thank you. Yeah. And it's so funny because I have like so many of my male friends that listen to it and it was never like originally intended to be a male audience. I really wanted it to be like for women to de-shamify and realize like your, your pleasure, your desires, your eroticism are not shameful. They are, should be celebrated. Um, but I have so many male friends that tune in and they love it. And they're like, oh my gosh, I learned something this week. And I'm like, yes, oh. I need to think about that. Yes. If you have like, partners or like guy friends or anybody who yeah. needs to like understand how to pleasure a woman, like also tune in. Yeah, no, totally. I have my, my close friend, Andy, he texts me every week and he like always sends me like a paragraph of what he liked about the episode. And it's amazing. And now his girlfriend is listening. It's just like, I love it. Oh my God, you guys make it a family yeah. affair. <laughs> No one um, under 18. Yeah, no one under 18. I do cruise like a sailor and also I like just say ridiculous things. I'm pretty unfiltered. Which is why we're such good friends and why yes. I love you so much. I will put all of Rachel's information in the show notes for you guys. So it's super easy to awesome. find. These spots are going to go really fast. So I highly recommend yeah. just like jumping in there, fill out her application. Not everybody is a good fit. So um, you may or may not be approved for her program, but it is fucking life-changing, especially if you are um, someone who's just coming into their sexuality or um, someone who's been repressing their sexuality or someone who has mm. trauma around their sexuality as well. It's trauma-informed. Um, yes. It is incredible to work with her. So hit her up. And, and I'm uh, yeah. LGBTQIA, like uh, trans, poly, ENM, sex worker friendly, like nothing is weird or different to me. So like, if you're, if you're in, uh, like, I had a lot of people ask, who do I work with? Everyone. Like, so come see me. Yeah. Yes. Come see Rachel and, um, and come even more in your life. Oh, <laughs> come see me and I'll teach you how to come. There you go. Exactly. I think that's the perfect sign off there. Um, and actually anything else, like, is there any other like last minute advice before we fully sign off that you want to leave or quote or, or thought or anything that you want to leave our audience with? You know, I wish I had something really brilliant to say, but right now I'm just thinking about go do that pleasure practice. Like go do it. Like take this. Yeah. Just do it. Increase it. Like I masturbate every day, maybe twice a day, some days, sometimes three times a day. If I'm feeling it, there's no shame in it. It's like, <laughs> like do it. Enjoy it. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Go for it guys. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do that right now after we record this podcast. You've inspired me. Yeah. <laughs> me too. I was like, after this podcast, I'm definitely going to go masturbate. <laughs> oh my God, guys, let us know what you think about this. Um, drop a, take a screenshot if this really resonated with you. If you had a yes. good time, let us know your takeaways. DM us on Instagram and um, we will see you guys very shortly. 
Thank you guys so much for joining me for another episode of the Conscious Leadership Podcast. I am so, so, so excited that you're here and that we are growing together. If there was anything that you took away from today's episode, I would love to hear about it. Take a screenshot, tag me with what you took away, and we will repost you. And if you are interested in leaving us a review on iTunes, we are going to give you a free copy of my subconscious reprogramming workbook. It is an incredible workbook that helps you work through all of the deep programming that happened during childhood that might be holding you back in your life today. So super, super valuable. This is a $75 workbook. I'm willing to just send it to you for free because I would love to hear your feedback on iTunes reviews. So shoot us a review, take a screenshot and DM us with a screenshot of your review and we will send you a free copy. The Light Leader community calls are also up and running. I'm so excited to be providing a completely free space for all of you guys to come connect, learn, grow, and step into your light leadership. These calls are every other Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, and I will be dropping the Zoom link in my emails for my email list. So if you are not already on the email list, head on over to my page at om underscore therapy underscore coaching on Instagram and click the link in my bio to sign up for the email list. You will be on the list for all of these community calls. You can pop in whenever you'd like, ask us questions, and we'll also be providing trainings to help you do all the deep inner work to step into your leadership and also the practical stuff to help you set up a business. It's going to be amazing. So come join us for that. The first call is going to be this Thursday, August 20th, and every other Thursday moving forward. And lastly, we have the OLA Ignite program. Yes, this is going to be launching its second round 2.0 coming up September 1st. So September 1st, we're opening the doors for enrollment and October 1st, we begin the next round. So I'm super excited. All of my light leaders who went through this round just found tremendous success, financial freedom, personal freedom, confidence, and they're just changing the world in such unique ways that are so aligned with who they are as human beings and as soul leaders that it's just amazing to watch it happen. And I'm just so excited to provide this container and support for you. There are going to be guest coaches, own specific co-coaches, me, a 12-week online course, group calls twice a month, one-to-one calls support, and it's just a constant, constant hype up. So come join us if you are a female light leader. I am calling on you to join our community. So we launch enrollment September 1st. Keep an eye out and we will keep you updated with all the latest. Thank you again for joining me. I am so happy to connect with you and keep coming back and letting your powerful light leader shine. We love you. We see you. We need you and we honor you. 